0: This morning, if you have God's Word, if you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Very familiar passage of Scripture from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, His Word for us today. In Matthew chapter 11, look with me at verse 28. And we will actually read through verse 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, how thankful we are that we've had this opportunity to be in this place today to worship you, our King, our Lord, our Savior. Father, what joy it is that we have in our hearts today because we know you. And Father, our heart goes out to those who still have not put their faith and trust in you today. Lord, I pray that you would speak directly to each of our hearts today. Lord, that you would bring revival to each of us. Lord, in whatever way we need to have. Father, I'm thankful that I had this opportunity to share your word. Simply pray, Lord, that, Lord, you would speak through this, your servant. and That, Father, your Holy Spirit would bring uh, conviction where conviction is needed, encouragement where encouragement is needed. Father, thank you for being a God of grace and mercy who answers our prayers. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Several years ago, a man and his wife, who were in their 90s, decided to write a family history to leave to their children and the generations that followed. In the very last chapter, uh, it was entitled, A Letter for Mom and Dad. And in that particular chapter, they, they shared some important life lessons that they had learned all along the way. And one of the statements that they made is this. If you find that Christianity exhausts you, draining you of your energy, then you are practicing religion rather than enjoying a relationship with Jesus Christ. Your walk with the Lord will not make you weary. It will invigorate you. It will restore your strength, and it will energize your life. We live in a day and time when I'm afraid many Christians miss the joy of the relationship because they're too busy practicing religion. These verses, the ones that I just read to you, are an invitation to walk daily with the Lord and to experience the joy that God wants to bring to your life. I like the way that Eugene Peterson's The Message paraphrase of this verse reads, so I'm going to read it to you. The question this morning that I think each of us needs to talk and ask ourselves is, are we burned out on religion? Are we simply going through the motions, or is it the joy of our heart to get to live in a relationship with the living Lord? God doesn't want our life to be dull and boring. In fact, Jesus said this, the thief comes only to kill and destroy. I came that they might have life. And more, that more abundantly. Do you understand Jesus wants you to have an abundant life? He wants you to experience the joy of a relationship living with him day by day. Here's what I know. You, if, if you live, if you do not walk with Christ daily, let's put it that way, if you do not walk with Christ daily yielding your life to the control of the Holy Spirit, then your spirit, your own spirit, internal spirit, will become dry and brittle. You'll end up going through the motions of religion, and you'll miss the joy of the relationship with Jesus. This morning, I hope and pray that you will lay down your burden to lay it down and walk with Jesus and his unforced rhythms Of grace, as Peterson said in his his, uh, paraphrase. So how do we do this? Real simple. Jesus just gives us two things that we've got to do. They're listed both in this passage. First of all, come to him. Jesus said, come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The word for uh, labor is sometimes translated weary. The word refers to people who are literally weary to the point of exhaustion from hard work and toil. Ever worked so hard? Had one of those days when you just had to get some stuff done and you just worked and you worked and you worked until you literally were, were, was exhausted. You were exhausted. I, I've done that. I know you've done that. But some things you just can't wait. You know, you get started in the middle of some projects, and if you don't get finished, you know, the project's not ever going to get done. And so you know you've got to push to get through the day. That's the kind of thing that uh, Jesus is talking about here. If you're exhausted from all the hard work and toil, uh, the word heavy laden refers to those who are, are burdened and, and loaded down with a heavy load. I don't know about you. I, I've been watching a little bit of the Mountain Men. If y'all, any of y'all know what I'm talking about? And it's on the television program called the Mountain Men. If you haven't watched it yet, I'm watching these guy. This one guy that he has these dogs that he runs mountain lines off people's ranches up into the hills, and uh, he uh, he's always running around with this big huge pack on his back, and he's running down these mountains like he you know like they're like he's walking across the floor here. I don't know how in the world he does it, but anyway. You know, there are times when you and I just literally have such a heavy load that we have to lay it down. That's the kind of person that Jesus is describing here in this passage of Scripture. We're all loaded down, aren't we? We're loaded down sometimes from the burdens of life. It's just hard to live life sometimes. Uh, we we lose loved ones. We Uh, face the difficulties that this life can bring. And so we carry those burdens. We also sometimes carry the burden of our sin. You know, sin burdens our life and burdens our heart. And so sometimes sin burdens us. Sometimes the consequences of our sin burdens us. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that will he also reap. And so when you and I commit sins before God at times we experience some pretty serious consequences. And sometimes we're just weighed down under the burden of the consequences of our sin. Of course, then we've also got to deal with our enemy, Satan, who is constantly whispering in our ears that you're not good enough. There's no way God loves you. There's no way God cares about you. Just chunk all that stuff and come follow what everybody else in the world is doing. I can promise you this, if you listen to that voice, you will never experience rest as God intends for you to have rest. Also, at times, the Holy Spirit works on our heart, doesn't he? When you and I, as believers in Christ, when we sin against God, the Bible tells us that God's Holy Spirit brings conviction to our heart. And let's face it, sometimes we don't really want to confess our sins to God. We like where we are. We're comfortable in our sins. But if the Holy Spirit continues to get all over you, which he will, then at times that even brings burdens to your life. What does Jesus say to us, each one of us today? If you are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. To those who don't know Jesus Christ in a personal relationship, Jesus says, come to me. Because it's only in me and through me that your sins can be forgiven. It is only in me and through me can the chains that have bound you so tightly for all these years, the only way that you'll ever experience rest is if you come to me. Jesus says, if you come to me, I can change your life. He's the one that can alleviate your burdens and your weariness. He invites the one who has been searching anywhere and everywhere, up and down, looking for the answers to life. He says, if you're tired of all that, come to me and I'll give you rest. He's the one that says to the one that keeps trying to make themselves better, to clean themselves up so that God will accept them he says to them, give up that false dream and trust me. Come to me and I will give you rest. To the one who keeps trying to be good enough to earn their way into heaven because of the good things that they do and always seeming to come up short, he says to them, come to me and I will give you rest. The person who humbly turns from, his, from the unbearable burden of his or her sin and invites Jesus Christ to come into their life, they will experience rest. I still remember at the age of 10 years old, when I invited Jesus Christ to come into my heart and life to be my Lord and Savior. I don't know how you felt that day when you got saved, but I felt like somebody had taken. And I mean, I was only 10. I mean, I wasn't that much of a sinner at 10 years old. There's not too much you could have done. But I knew I was a sinner. But I still remember that day I got saved, how it felt like I had about a two-ton burden lifted off of my shoulders. Guys, only the Lord Jesus Christ can do that. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Aren't you tired of listening to the lies of the devil? Aren't you tired of listening to the lies of this world that tells you if you just have a little bit more of this or a little bit more of that, or if you 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 know, if you do this or you do that, then everything's going to be okay, and you'll, you'll finally get to the point where you'll be at rest. It's all a lie. There is only one person that can give you the peace that passes all understanding. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And for those of us who are... Save those of us who have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Has has your relationship with God gotten stale? Are are you exhausted from trying to live a perfect life and trying to do everything the way you think it ought to be done through your own human efforts? Guys, it's time to lay that burden down. Jesus said, come to me and I will give you rest. You know, in Jesus' day, the teachings of the scribes and Pharisees had become so massive and so demanding that they couldn't even keep them themselves, much less the people. It had become just an overwhelming burden on the everyday average person. They couldn't keep up with all the rules and regulations that the Pharisees said they had to to be in a right relationship with God. And so many of them just quit. They just quit trying because it was all about rules and regulations. Well, Jesus comes to give us life. Jesus did not come for us to keep a bunch of man-made rules and regulations to be in a right relationship with him. He says, come to me. But you know what? Guys, let's just be honest, okay? If we're honest with ourselves, Now, I'm not pointing fingers at you, because when I do, I've got three pointed back at me. But oftentimes, the Christians have more in common with the scribes and the Pharisees than we really want to admit A lot of us would rather have a checklist, wouldn't we? We would have a checklist of what it means to be in a right relationship with God. You know why? Because it's a whole lot easier to live by a checklist than it is to live in a relationship. They're up and down in relationships. There's good days and bad days. There are days you feel good. There's days you don't feel good. I know there are days in my own life when I get up out of bed and my wife says one word to me and I know I need to be gone somewhere else that day. And there are certain days she gets out of bed and she realizes the same thing about me. You know, that's just the part of the relationship thing that we have to deal with. It's not just, if you do A, B, C, and D, then everything's fine. It, it doesn't work that way in a relationship. But that's what is. sometimes we as believers want. Let's see, I prayed today, check. I read my Bible today, check. Uh, I called somebody who was in need and, and, and helped them through a difficult time, check. I went to church today, check. Then I must be okay, because I got to check all the boxes. And unfortunately, that's the way too many Christians live their Christian life, checking off boxes, because they think that's what puts them in a right relationship with God. Guys, Jesus says, come unto me. Are you tired of that stuff? Why don't you throw that burden down? That's not what Jesus designed you for. Jesus designs you to have a full and a meaningful and abundant life. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. Turn away from this self-centered and work-centered life. Aren't you weary and heavy laden from carrying that burden? Throw it down, guys. Come to Jesus. You know, the word repentance literally means to do a 180. It's to do an about face is the way we would say it in our language. If you've been pursuing this relationship with God through a checklist, throw that checklist away, nail it to the cross, burn it up, and turn to Jesus and say, Lord, as simply as I know how, I give it all to you. That's what it takes. Jesus says, if you will do that, then I will give you rest. I like the way the hymn writer wrote it. He said, "O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth shall grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Guys, are you? Don't you want to walk in the unforced rhythms of grace rather than living a legalistic checklist kind of life? God promises if we will come to him, he will give us rest. The second thing that Jesus tells us to do in this passage, if we want to walk with him in this unforced rhythms of grace, that we must take up his yoke. We must take Jesus' yoke up on us. Look what it says. Come to me, all you who are weary, heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my burden is easy. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, in a lot of places, I'd have to explain what a yoke is. You guys know what yoke is. You've, you know, you've grown up in country and the farm and, and you know, oftentimes it's a wooden instrument that's placed on the neck, typically of, of some animals, typically oxen. And you put a yoke upon them and they can pull a wagon. They can pull a plow. They can do all kinds of different things in the Bible. The word, the word for yoke is used in a number of different ways. Uh, metaphorically it's used for example to describe one nation's subjection to another they were under the yoke of bondage to a particular nation uh, in the Old Testament sometimes it was used to refer to God's people when they yoked themselves not they shouldn't have but they yoked themselves with the na- other nations around them and suffered the consequences or they yoked themselves with foreign gods that happened quite a bit in the Old Testament and so, that's sometimes used in that thing. In the New Testament, it's sometimes referred to as the yoke of legalism. The Bible tells us not to be you know, yoked with legalism. Another context in which it's used is in the context of marriage. Paul says don't be unequally yoked together. Let me tell you really simply what that means. That means no Christian, boy or girl, should ever get married to somebody who's not a Christian. Do not be unequally yoked together. It's just that simple. There's no reason, there's no excuse, there's no exceptions. God says, do not be unequally yoked together. So if you're dating somebody that's not a Christian, break it off. If you're thinking about getting married to somebody that's not a Christian, break it off. Unless that person invites Christ into their life before you get married, you need to stop it. As Barney Fife would say, nip it in the bud. Because it will not turn out right. And I just challenge you, if you don't believe that, ask some of the people here in this room who married people who are unbelievers, and what it cost them, and how difficult it was. But in this case, when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, what is he talking about? He's talking about being yoked with him, coming near to him, surrendering to his lordship every day. Think about like the two oxen that are walking together. If one oxen goes one direction, what happens to the other oxen? They go in that direction. If they're yoked together, there's no option. The one that's the strongest is going to pull the direction, and the other one doesn't have any recourse except to follow because that's the direction the yoke is going. You and I, we need to yoke ourselves to Jesus Christ. We need to go in the direction that he leads us. We need to take up our cross, as Jesus said, take up our cross and deny ourselves and take up our cross daily and follow after Jesus salvation involves submission to the lordship of jesus christ in fact if you're not willing to submit to the lordship of jesus christ you cannot be saved what did paul say in romans 10 9 and 10 for if you will confess with your mouth the lord jesus christ too many people want jesus as savior but they don't want him as lord they want him to forgive them of their sins and they don't want to go to hell But they don't want somebody guiding them and telling them what to do. Let me ask you something. Does Jesus love us? Does he love you? Would Jesus ever lead you in a direction that was unloving and unkind? The reason why we need to submit to his lordship is because that's the best possible life we could ever live. It's lived under the lordship of Jesus Christ Partial obedience really is nothing more than disobedience. King Saul learned this. You go back and you look at the Old Testament. King Saul was chosen by God to lead his people. God, through the prophet Samuel, gave Saul a direct command. You are to go and you are to destroy the Amalekites. Now, I'm not going to go into all the reasons, if we could go into theology about that, but we'll we'll leave that for a different day. The, The problem is, or the issue was... Samuel gave Saul a direct command from God. Saul partially obeyed God. He killed everybody except for the king, and he kept some of the best sheep and goats so that he could make a sacrifice to God. Is that what God told him to do? No. God told him to go in and destroy everything. And this is what Samuel said to him after Samuel heard the bleeding of the sheep and saw King Agag, the king of the Amalekites, He says, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination. In other words, rebellion against God is no no better than practicing witchcraft. That's what he's saying. And presumption, presuming upon God and upon God's word is crookedness. That's what iniquity means. It's crookedness. And it's idolatry. It's actually placing your own thought processes in front of God. That that means you've got an idol in your life. And he goes on to say, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. He learned a very difficult lesson that day because he practiced partial obedience. We live in a day and time when people or a lot like Thomas Jefferson. Now, y'all may not know this about Thomas Jefferson, but Thomas Jefferson didn't like some of the parts of the Bible, so he took his scissors and he cut some of it out. He cut some of it out and pasted it together like he wanted it to be, not like it really was. But we live in a day and time when people are selective about what commandments they obey and which commandments they don't obey. They're people. Now let me just stop right there. I, I could go on, but you you get the you get the, the the message. You understand there are people today that they obey some of God's word, but they don't obey all of God's word. They pick and choose, like we had a right to cut up God's word and cut pieces out of it. If God has said it, that settles it. Whether I believe it or don't believe it, whether I accept it or don't accept it, it's God's Word, and God's Word is what you and I need. And the only way that you and I are going to experience the rest and the peace that passes all understanding is if we yield completely to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If we yoke ourselves to Jesus and let Him guide us in the direction that we Needs to go. Notice he says something else. He says, not only are we to yoke ourselves to him, but part of that yoking is to learn from me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. The word learn there is very similar to the word from which we get our word disciple. And so a person who has yoked himself or herself to Christ is a person who becomes a lifelong disciple, a lifelong follower, a lifelong learner that lets the Lord Jesus Christ teach them in the way that they should go. When we submit to Jesus Christ and put ourselves in a position to learn from him, then obedience to God becomes the joy of our heart. Is the obedience that God asks of you, is it the joy of your heart? Listen to what John says over in 1 John. He says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Is God's commandments, are they burdensome to you? If they are, that's probably an indication that you're trying to live by checklist, by rules and regulations, and not a relationship. When you and I experience the rest that the Lord Jesus Christ gives to us, when we submit to His Lordship and we become lifelong learners and lifelong followers of Jesus Christ, then the greatest joy of our heart is to be obedient to what God asks us to do because we know it yields that peace that passes all understanding, As complicated as life may become, discipleship is at its heart very simply walking with Jesus in a real world, having him teach us and guide us moment by moment on how to live life his way. So let me just ask you some questions this morning. Have you come to your place in your life where you're weary, disillusioned, disappointed? Does your relationship with God feel distant? Has your love for God and his word grown cold? Are you still passionately in love with Jesus? Is it still the joy of your heart to get to open God's word and study and to read? And Is it the joy of your heart to get to come to God's house and be with God's family and to worship him as he deserves to be worshipped? Or are you simply going through the motions of religious activity? lying to yourself that, oh, well, maybe one of these days I'll rekindle my passion. Has maybe the the fussing and fighting of brothers and sisters in Christ pushed you further away from Christ? Maybe you've experienced some tragedy in your life recently, and you've kind of walled your heart off because it hurts so much. But by walling off your heart, you've lost that joy of your salvation. Listen to me. Listen carefully to me. Throw all that stuff down and go back to Jesus. Repent. Jesus wants us to have an abundant life. That's why he saved us. He didn't save us so we could sit and soak and sour. He saved us so that we could have an abundant life of joy in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you're burdened, I'm going to tell you what the Scripture says to do. Cast all of your cares on Him because He cares for you. He is the everlasting treasure that your heart seeks. He is the only one that can provide you peace in this world. A friend of ours wrote this this following week on her Facebook page. And she actually was referring to chapter 12 in Matthew, which is right after this part where Jesus has this run-in with the the Pharisees about the Sabbath. Uh, This is what she says. The Pharisees had turned the Sabbath day that God had meant to be a day of worship and rest for his people into a day of worry and ritual. Jesus came to give us back the worship and the rest that God intended for us to have, not just on one day, but for all eternity. We can lay aside the burdens of this life and our own imperfection. Jesus has paid the price and freed us to live a life of worship and rest in him, doing good for him. In Christ, she said, I have the assurance that this life of worship and rest will be mine for all eternity. You know, we live in a day and time when people try to fill up the emptiness in their life with a lot of different stuff. Some of us sit and watch television. Some of us, uh, you know, escape to alcohol. Some of us uh, have escapist vacations where we can just forget about everything for a little while. Some people try to escape into pornography, and I could go down. there's a myriad of things that people try to use to escape to try to bring peace to their soul. Let me ask you this. Have you ever found peace in any of those things? I can answer that question for you. No, you have not, and you never will. I like what one ancient theologian in the early church said, Our hearts are restless till they find rest in thee. Your heart will never be satisfied until you come to Jesus and to take up his yoke. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.